We're hitting record. Recording. And we're recording. Oh, man. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. Did you hear about that Hawaiian um, volcano that's erupting? Mm-hmm. I did not. There's a volcano. Have you guys ever been near a, like a lava flow? No. Volcano in your lives? That would be something, wouldn't it? I've been to Pompeii. So post-explosure, post-thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, the closest I'm, I've ever been to anything like that. I'm not 100% sure what Dan is, is, acting, is, ask, is acting. I'm not sure what you're asking. Are you saying have we ever run from lava as it flowed from a <laughs> volcano? Well, yeah, basically. Uh, no. Man, you guys have traveled a lot. You, you, have you been to Hawaii before, Fred? No, I have not. My wife really oh. wants to go. And uh, hopefully I will be able to check that box uh, at some point. But yeah, I don't know. Dan it's and just I, very expensive American dollar. It's yeah. down my list. But you uh, know what, what? For a nice trip for you guys, because Dan and I have been there a bunch of times together and separately. Because when you live in Western Canada, it's still expensive. It's not as a big a, a hop. But you know what might be a cool trip for you and the doll is to uh, do Hawaii on your way to you know, some, do you go to Hawaii? I'm going to sound like an idiot now. Do you go to Hawaii on your way to Australia? Can you do that? Yeah, I think you go that way. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I, I think I, I know some people that have made that stop on their way uh, down under, as they say, Howard, down under. Yeah. I've also heard that New Zealand is actually uh, a more fascinating place to visit than Australia. People just throw out the A word all the time, right? When New Zealand is exact is uh, apparently the gem. Well, dude, talk to Edmonton Steve because his daughter lived there for a couple of years. My niece and he New Zealand, and, mm-hmm. yeah, she married a New Zealander. Yeah, I've been to New Zealand. It's beautiful there. Yeah, you'd enjoy it, Fred. You'd I bet you I would. And while Steve enjoyed it, he went over a couple of times and. I, I've heard that. You brought it up recently. Well, but let's go back to the beginning. Though. Why are we talking about lava flowing from a, a volcano? News, so what is it? Mena, um, I don't know. Mauna Loa. The, it's the big volcano that hasn't erupted since 1982, and now okay. it's erupting. So there's lava flow. I've always been fascinated by the lava flow. Yeah. Why are you blowing your news load at the beginning? Of the <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Are you not? Do you have to leave early? Are you oh. not? Are you leaving? Is this what we're doing now on days you can't be oh, here at no, the end? I, You're starting with the news? Didn't even occur to me to make yeah. this the news. Well, okay. Well, I'll make that the news. No, 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 no. no, I, no, I, no. Uh, yeah, I saw some of that yesterday, Dan. Uh, fascinating, isn't it? It's been, what, 40 years since that one has blown its top, apparently? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, running from lava is another one of those things you thought we would be more part of our, our lives because it was also so much a part of our childhood. You oh, know, yeah. all, well, because cartoons fe- all regularly yes. feature people hot, you know, hot footing it from lava. Mm-hmm. In, into the into the sinking sand yeah. <laughs> and and quicksand of course quicksand yeah but uh, running from the lava Tarzan movies when the guys get <laughs> in quicksand it was always like so creepy yeah and of course back in, in those movies it actually showed the guys heads going under the quicksand where now that would be a cutaway <laughs> you mean for children yeah for, yeah. for probably for anyone I yeah. don't know um, 
Uh, Dan, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, as uh, most people have figured out by now. And uh, when I came home, the place had been Dan Durand. Now, I was Dan Durand's roommate 40 years ago. We were 20. I was 22. Dan was 24. I was 23. He was 25 for a couple of years, somewhere around that. And I, you know, we were both, I think, equally pretty messy. Yeah. You know, like we were just young guys and we didn't care. And uh, and now we're both equally pretty particular. You know, I have a certain way I like the house. You have a certain way you like the house. But Dan is definitely more, as Fred knows, because you've lived next to him at the trailer. He has a very particular way of doing things. And and I said to him last night, I said, I love it, you know? <clears throat> For now. <laughs> well, that's the thing we discussed because originally, yeah, Dan, what was with that long pause? I'm just because well, uh, uh, Clifford just started barking at somebody walking by the door. Okay. Um, no, because originally I was going to be here only a couple of men- months of the six months Dan's going to live at my house. And so, you know, and then Dan goes away every weekend. So really, there, there's only a few days during the week that we would, would be together. But I did laugh when I came in Sunday night, late Sunday night. I sort of, I just as I came in, I was like, "Oh, that's right, Dan. Dan lives here now." You know, this, and and I'm not trying to. This is not to. There's no. It's not really a bit either. It's just that I, I've observed very quickly, as you have, next to him at the trailer, that he has a way of doing things. And I said to Spencer, who met me here after uh, my flight home from Mexico, I said, "Look around." I said, this place has been Dan Duranized. You know, there's towels rolled up. There's just different things. than The uh, thing in the garage that uh, I have has been organized. And I said to him last night, I said, Dan, whatever you need to do to make yourself comfortable here, please do. Well, I was there yesterday. Can you dust the studio? <laughs> I haven't been here for two weeks. No, hey, that's more than two weeks of dust. Oh, my God. You're such a... You are hilarious. He, he comes in the office. You know, I'm literally... Just had a near-death experience. All he can say... All he can say is, the, the table needs dusting. Okay, Molly. Little Molly put mama. Your, put your white glove away. Hey, Dan, can you go turn off the air for, for us? Because I just forgot the, to. Uh, yeah. And the carpet under the table looks like it could use a vacuum. I didn't even go downstairs to the green room. I was afraid to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I should have brought you upstairs. Because my actual residence is probably cleaner than this. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, just an, you know, just an observance Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. I know you're constantly judging. But I'm surprised because Dan, when it comes to like equipment and electronics and stuff, likes things organized and clean. I'm surprised that, you know, that uh, he would want he would allow that sort of dust area. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Howard did come back a little bit early. and it's a <laughs> That's right. I wasn't supposed to be here for two weeks. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't walk onto a porn set or something. You know, <laughs> Dan, I will say, by the way, so I was telling, uh, this will be a reference for people our age, but I said, if if this is the odd couple, I'm definitely Jack Klugman. <laughs> you know, he's Tony Randall. That's funny. <clears throat> but I will say one thing, then. I came in the house, I got in late, so it was about 10 o'clock by the time I walked in. 
And uh, my youngest, uh, Spencer, had been here probably a couple hours. <laughs> and, uh, first of all, you know, I don't think Spenny grew up with bagged milk. So Dan had bought some bagged milk, and I don't have a bagged milk um, what's jug. A, jug. Mm-hmm. So Spenny's first question to me was, what's uh, There's like a big jug of milk in the fridge. Like she, a glass jug. Like a glass jug. And, a, yeah. uh, and they're like, what's that all about? I go, I don't know. She, she says, did Dan milk something? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I said, I don't know, honey. And then I found the uh, bag. But I will say this. So at 10 o'clock at night on Sunday night, my house temperature was 60, set at 66 degrees. And I called Dan because I couldn't find something. And I said, Dan, oh, by the way, did something happen with the furnace? Like, it's set, it's set at 66. And then, Dan, you explained because you're uh, an environmentalist. I like to turn it down a little bit when you're not there on the, you know, for a few days. You might as well not heat the place to uh, the degree. Actually, I would have probably turned it. If I had known that you, if it was just me, I would turn it down a little bit more than that. But mm-hmm. you seem to think that there's some issue with. with what, what, what do you mean you would have turned if you? So Dan goes to Lisa's every Friday, right? Uh-huh. And you come back every Sunday. Or do you mm-hmm. come back Monday? Monday. So are you curing meat in here on the weekends is there <laughs> it's, it's not it's oh man it's, it's not like it's uh, so you would actually degrees or freezing zero no wait Celsius. a second so if i hadn't been coming home you knew i was coming home you would have made it yeah. even colder yeah probably but it set at around 60 or something yeah why not 60. that's why you should get a nest i have one they're very handy so when I go to the Tin Palace, I leave here on a Friday, I shut off the air conditioning, <clears throat> and then I have an alert Sunday afternoon if I'm coming home or the day before I'm coming home, an alert to tell me to turn the air conditioning back on. Right? What would, not uh, air conditioning it. is one thing, but what would you do in the wintertime? No, listen, when I was away in Mexico, oh, when I was in Florida last year for a month with my nest, I kept this house at about 55 degrees the whole time I was away. Well, I just learned Why something. wouldn't I? Well, I just learned something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I just, I just assume most people would leave their their house uh, uh, warm enough to to live in (laughs) when no one's living in it. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I turn the water off too, and I go for an extended period of time. Well, what if people break into your house and they're thirsty? No, I got that covered. The kids know where to turn the water on, so if they come in, they can just go on a, if they need it, which they never do because they have their own homes. But well, yeah. you know, I stand corrected because I thought you would. Okay, you know what? G- good to know. Good to know. I I will say this though: sixty six was pretty chilly on a Sunday evening. But uh, you know, if that's what the grown up men are doing, then I'll start doing it. But see, that was just communication because, again, the point is if you had a nest or that ability to control it from outside the house, if you'd have known it was 66, you know, as the plane's landing, you just throw the the thermostat up to 72 or whatever. (laughs) And by the time you get home, she's toasty. Figure it out. Okay. Well, you know what? uh, You can learn something and I just learned something. What do grown up men do? That's what they do. Maybe we should do that, Dan. Maybe we should get a nest so that... Well, you're going to be here, but maybe I should have that. Maybe I shouldn't have it at 72 when I'm not here. Well, for an extent, not for the day, but, you know, 
Like oh. some people fluctuated during the day, but I, oh, I, would, I would suggest yeah. if you're going away for a few days or the place is going to be vacant, then yeah, that's what I've, I've always done when I've had a place. Yeah, with mine, I set a whole day schedule. Like uh, during the day, I have it at like 21 degrees in the evening. My, my little sweets and watching TV, I'll put it up to 23. At 11, it goes down to 20. And then at 6 o'clock, back up to 23 for a couple hours. Yeah. Do you guys notice that as you've gotten older that you get colder like yes. i i get there's a point in the day i used to call it cold o'clock where you know before i between if i don't eat too much between lunch and dinner man this sounds like an old guy thing if i don't eat too much like i don't sometimes i'll have a snack in the middle of the day but if i don't around five o'clock because my blood sugar is dropped and it's you know haven't had my dinner yet i start to get colder I don't know if that's happened to you fellas. Absolutely. My walk yesterday, I was like four degrees. And I stuck my nose out there and I started walking. I came back in and put another layer on. And I thought, yeah, a few years ago, I would have thought, oh, this is, you know, November. It's bombed me four degrees. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. I just get chills that I never used to get. I've noticed that I'm more interested in soups. <laughs> I know. I've, listen, I've I've gone this. I've gone to the soup side a long time ago. I loved. Uh, this is soup season. It is. So this is the time when soup makes sense. It, it's uh, funny, Fred. You talked about putting on another layer. You know, most of the people I hung around with at uh, in San Miguel were friends of our friend Bill, and Bill's in his late seventies. So his friends are somewhere between seventy five. And 88. And uh, we were playing one day. And they're all wearing, like, I'm wearing short sleeves and shorts. But some of the guys keep their jacket on a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And as I've noticed, the older people I would meet, the more layers they would have on. Like the 88-year-olds wearing long pants. By the way, Jim, if you're listening, this guy at 88, is he loves our show. Anyway, so Jim at 88 might have long pants on instead of shorts. And then one day, Bill and I were playing, and he pointed out a couple that was a few holes away from us. And the guy, it's like 24 degrees in the middle of the day. She's wearing long pants and a sweater. The dude is wearing long pants, a sweater, and a jacket, and he's 94 years old. And I thought, that's where I'm heading. <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's just not warm enough for them anymore. Yeah, when you get in your late 80s, too, you got to watch wearing shorts, eh? Because your bag will hang at the end of them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you're all bagging. Yeah. When you're that age, you got a mushroom, <laughs> you got a mushroom cap and a big That's bag. That's right. Well, well oh, at that age, you need an extra caddy. He just wants... <laughs> he just, so he, he would have a caddy for the clubs and then a caddy for his bag. Is that what you're saying? Yes. You know, what is that joke? You know, you know, you're getting old when you sit down on the toilet and your bag hits the water. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that happens after 80 or something. I forget. I was trying to just, I was trying to describe the show to somebody. And I said, you know, we get very serious sometimes. And then at other times we do this. Well, if what's his name again? Jim. Big Jim. Yeah. Yeah. If Big Jim listening, he's going, yeah, my bag hits the water. Yep. 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 You know, I don't. I don't know if I want to participate in this because I like Jim so much, and I don't want to start talking about Jim's bag. Hey, this is real talk. Disrespectful. Hmm. Yeah, but it's you know he's probably uh, 
Yeah, it's funny down there. Bill, our friend Bill, who I uh, stayed next to and was so kind to me, he uh, introduced me, and he's so proud of being associated with our show that he told all his friends what I was doing down there, and a bunch of them started listening to the show. Jim, in particular, I was very impressed because at 88 years old, you know, not everyone would embrace the technology. But he, after a couple of days, he started talking to me about things we talked about and something that you said or something that I said. And I was, I don't know if the word is flattered, but I was, uh, I don't know, touched, flattered, impressed. No, I get it. Yeah. It's nice when you uh, encounter that. Although last week, I got a guy probably a bit younger than me called me for a different reason. He said, so you're still doing the, the show, the podcast thing? And I said, yeah. And then we're talking. And I said, what disappoints me is that you don't listen to the show. And he goes, oh, geez, I don't know. That's <clears throat> I think he actually said that's beyond me. <clears throat> and I said, what are you talking about, Derek? What do you mean it's beyond you? And while he's on the phone, I just said, <laughs> told him what to do. And he's going, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's simple, eh? Oh, okay. So it's right in his hand and he doesn't know. That whole barrier of people being intimidated by even using the thing that's in their hand is just bizarre. But anyway. Well, which makes the uh, people around Bill in that area of yes. San Miguel all the more impressive. Like, yes. Uh, a few other people. Um, I did the same thing. I just showed them how easy it was. I actually went to the phone and I said, here's here's where we are on Spotify. Now that you've found us, then all the episodes are there. But I think there's a like in his peer group and Dan and I uh, were talking about this. You and I have spoke about it. If you've chosen that place to go, it's a different kind of person and i said to dan you know a bit more progressive i said the americans i met were a bit more progressive and as i was describing them, dan goes, dan says you mean democrats i said well yes and no even the ones that aren't democrat identifying they were definitely more progressive because that's not your typical retirement community without a doubt yeah no you nailed it that's what it is Having been there a couple of times, these are, uh, yeah, these are bright people. Isn't that, it's funny to generalize that way, but I, I just get that impression. You know, and I told you, it's funny how those things work regionally. I'm in Florida last year, a couple of times on the golf course, you encounter Trumpers or people of that ilk, including a Canadian who was a Trumper. And then I spend, you know, five days in Louisiana and don't encounter any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's more of a a blue state. And then, yeah, you would go to Mexican resorts and probably run into all sorts of dunderhead Americans, mm-hmm. right? All-inclusive places and stuff. But San Miguel, it's just, it's more cultural. It's more, it's just more progressive, it is. Do you have, I'll tell you a quick story. I ran into the only people tell I ran into. Tell us two. Tell us two. <laughs> Why don't you come over here and fucking do some more dust judging, okay? <laughs> Jesus. He hasn't seen me in weeks. I've almost died, you know, and the first thing he sits down and says is, well, fucking maybe do some dusting. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Auntie May. Fuck. 
I, I should have put doll to work. She was there. <laughs> oh, well, we listen. Forget the story I was going to tell. Dan and I have our own jars of dolls, granola. Mm-hmm. So good. And, and, you know, it's funny. I had a bowl this morning. Dan had a bowl this morning. And, and you forget, if you haven't had dolls, uh, granola for a while, the secret ingredient. And, Dan, what did you ask me? Well, I, was, I wondered if there was pepper in there. And you said there was ginger. Yeah. Or maybe even cinnamon. I, I uh, all of it. Cinnamon, yeah. Oh, there might be a sprinkle of cayenne. If oh, I'm really? Saying. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, very good. You should smell the house when she's, when she's uh, preparing it, cooking it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty special stuff. A couple stuff. of times on Sunday, I love doll. I love how the I love how the house smells when you're cooking granola. I said, if we ever sell this home, just before people come to look at it, you should prepare some granola. Mm, and then what did she say, mm, Freddie? I will. I will. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, and then, what did you say? I said, oh, we're one step ahead of the game all the time. You and I. <laughs> Uh, anyway, as I was leaving on Saturday, it was my last day in San Miguel. I came home Sunday. <clears throat> I told uh, two quick things. I played golf that day without my friend Bill. And uh, I got paired up with a 85-year-old man and an 81-year-old man. Just fascinating guys. The 85-year-old had flown helicopters in the jungle of Vietnam, did two tours of duty, duty lived in Germany, lived in Saudi Arabia. Really, um, both of them, very worldly, both military guys, but really funny and kind. And the, the, the best is, so they played tees, like way up. Like they're playing like the old guy tees. And I was going back to my tees. And the one guy says, how old are you? I said, 62. He goes, Ben, we're playing with a kid. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I loved it because I thought about it. Like, I, I'm 23 years younger than the oldest guy in that group. He's, we're yeah, playing with a kid, he says. Yeah. So that was one nice encounter. Then as I was leaving, I, I wanted to just video my swing just, you know, to have a look at how I'm doing. And I had uh, my caddy, Ramon, do it. And then there was a couple there from Dallas who had lived in Mexico. who would lived in Mexico for 15 years, raised their kids there. Really nice. They, you know, they were working on their games. And, you know, the husband and I had kind of a conversation for a minute about, you know, his wife was struggling with something. And she's a decent golfer. But at the end, when they found out I was Canadian, there was a little weird moment. Not too weird because it's such a, you know, but mildly weird. When they found out I was Canadian, she said something like, well, I guess, you know, you've got your own troubles up there with Trudeau. And I sort of went, ha, 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 ha. you know, I don't want She goes, well, and then she turns to me. She goes, don't you guys become communist? Oh, Jesus. And I could just fucking tell. And I'm like, well, you mean like universal health care and, you know, mm. Life expectancy, did you? <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. Okay. But I did it like that, like a joke. And then she said, "Well, our guy." And then she started talking about Biden. You know, he's so um, the whole thing about he he's losing his marbles and. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's that's somebody that watches Fox News. That you nailed it. That's just somebody that watches Fox News because that's the only place you would really get that anti. Yeah. Um, Trudeau stuff. I told you last week I saw that story about the Canadian guy who has chronic horrible back problems and he's on the verge of becoming homeless so he applied for 
euthanasia. You know, right. our new laws where you can actually schedule your, your suicide. Whatever it is. Yeah. And they came back to him and said, sir, that's really not the spirit of this law. No. Like, you know, that's not what this is about. Well, of course, Tucker Carlson gets that story and he leaves out the part about the government saying, well, no, that's not really what this is for. So he spun the whole story that Trudeau's Canada now, if you're homeless, they will kill you. They'll allow you to kill yourself. <laughs> that was his story. Yeah. So, you know, these dunderheads, these simpletons that watch that, I feel sorry for them. If that's your only source of news, it's. It's something else. Yeah. You know, as I walked away from this couple, they were really nice. And we'd spent about almost a half an hour hitting balls, talking about golf. And, you know, we'd sort of and then they told me about raising their daughters there. So they were progressive enough to move to Mexico because they thought they would give their daughters an experience. But when it came to politics and, and then when they left, I thought, well, they could. That's Fox News. That They could only get that opinion about Biden and it was a weird thing to lead with. Don't you guys become communists? I'm like, you got, really? Is that what you think we are? And again, not, not to turn this into a political discussion even before we started the show, but it's the problem there. They, they think anything that does good for all is communism. Well, that's the thing. We're freer than they are. We actually are. You know, because really, they're held prisoner to their health care system. They really are. And somebody might argue, okay, we have to sit and, you know, and wait times and all that. And they're held prisoner to guns. You know, all those people are always thinking about guns. Just think about that. Should I have a gun in the house? Should I not? These are things that never go through our mind. Yeah. And all these mass shootings happening all over the country. That's part of your landscape on a day-to-day basis. You call that freedom? That's that's bizarre. But they would never, ever accept that. And they don't realize that per capita, you know, the average Canadian has more personal wealth and more money in the bank and less debt right down the line. That would never enter their minds. Higher education. And they have the best of everything. Yeah. Longer lifespan, higher education. You know, I picked out an article. I was going to bring it up on the the show last week and then it just got buried and stuff. But it was basically of the 10 of the best places to live. You know, I, I follow this thing on Twitter now, this World Index. But they had some criteria of the 10 best places to live on Earth. Three of them are Canadian cities. There's like one American city. There's a bunch of European cities, the regular ones, Denmark, Norway. But uh, yeah, they just, you know, just what you said, they, they just would never imagine there's a better place to live. Right. It's like, you know, they'll often talk, oh, those Canadian taxes, too. Well, okay, our, if our taxes are so bad, why does the average Canadian have more money in the bank than the average American? So somebody's fucking you somehow. <laughs> That's right. Your system. Yeah. <laughs> I, want someone to ex- I want someone to explain how the, a woman who had, had to go four times to try and pass her high school GED, how she's been a congressperson for a couple of years, and her now personal wealth, again, this could be uh, off by a few million, but it's in the millions now. How Lauren Boebert is worth in the millions now. Should should be that should be the someone should be asking that question. So, yeah. Anyway, I'll just finish by saying, and we'll get started, everyone. That I was surprised because they were, on the one hand, very progressive. Mm -hmm. Let me just follow that up before we move on. I read a report last week 
you know, that's not unique to the United States either. I was reading the thing about Trudeau's personal wealth, and there's some questions about that now. It's over $200 million, and how did that happen? Again, how valid is it? But again, when you're in positions of high power, I mean, you are privy to information that can allow you to make money. So it happens here, probably not as much or, or, or on the same level, but it does. There, there are some questions around that. And when you talk about Lauren Boebert, you remember our prime minister. I mean, his credentials before becoming prime minister weren't very impressive either. Well, yeah, weren't very impressive for a politician, but he got a university degree. She couldn't get out of Did high he? school. Yes, he was, a, he was a teacher. He had to go to a college. He had to get a degree in something. I'm not saying he's not a dunderhead. And I, and I believe there's tons of fuckery in, in our country. But not- I, I, I just like to bring that stuff up because when we pound them, you don't want to sound like a hypocrite when, you know, there's another side to it. That, uh, that's all. A hundred percent. And by the way, Trudeau has told uh, everybody within his, prepar- his party to prepare for a, a spring election. Huh? Didn't yeah. we just have an election last year? No, I know, and they and they had that coalition with the NDP. We thought this would go to twenty twenty five, but see, this is the Poliev factor now, because he's thinking this is a good time to pounce because this Poliev guy's a bit over the top and he's a bit whacked out, and uh, this whole sort of anti right sentiment. He's probably <laughs> he's, it's probably a good move. Or, we'll talk or, to Tony Clement about yeah. that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Tony's going to be on the show, I, or that might also backfire too. Maybe. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll tell you why, because the first thing I would have, that's the first I've heard of it. And my first thought was, we, I don't want another election. You no, know, I agree. I've had enough of them. Dan, are you ready? I know you got to yeah, go sure. and, and do stuff. And uh... yeah, I've got something here. We okay. start the show. Here we go. Let's start the show. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in trendy Toronto and our customized Brampton Studio facility. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now here are two men who plowed through Cyber Monday without buying anything and are now at Do I Have to Put Up a Tree Tuesday? It's Humble and Fred. Yeah, thank you. Uh, our, we had to uh, reschedule our guests from... I'm not sure when we rescheduled her. She's Lisa Baker's a very funny Eastern Canada comic. We... Uh, Met her a few months ago. You're going to like her if you. She's from St. John's, Newfoundland. She's uh, outspoken and uh, one of our favorites. And did you mention? Yeah, Tony Clemente will be with us tomorrow. Huh? All right. Yeah, a lot to talk about with him. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting because I think you know I think that would be the uh, liberal strategy right now. You know, with what's going on in Alberta and Poliev sort of sort of in bed with her and yeah okay it's uh, and that's the way that will and hey and further to that do you see um just one little trump thing that and i thought about this a couple of weeks ago that if he doesn't win the nomination for the republicans he'll go third party no i didn't see that and that would pretty much guarantee a victory for the democrats 
But see, that's how vindictive he is. If the if the Republicans don't nominate him, or if he doesn't win the nomination for presidency as the Republican, that's how vindictive he would be. I'll run third. I'll fragment that vote and screw them now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I I had occasion on a few nights to talk Trump with some smart people down there. There really has never been anything like him. Mm-hmm. At some point, it's like the whole idea of, you know, I know the narcissism and, but the fact, I mean, you, you, in a way it's almost fascinating the depths he will go. And maybe we'll talk about Kanye and Nick Fuentes and the encounter at Mar-a-Lago last week, but, and we've made this point a bunch of times, but there's just so much of it. I thought you were going to bring up the fact that for the first time, and you and I watched this stuff pretty closely, the first time where his former vice president actually denounced something. Because mm-hmm. that guy thinks he should be president, too. I don't know where you stand, but I don't think Mike Pence should be the president either. No. Just from the fact... No, because he was such a ass-licking, ball-sucking sycophant. Well, there's shows, that. <laughs> no, it, yes, it shows his that. character as oh, a human yeah. being. So he put, you know, party and Trump ahead of the country for a long time. Plus, he's too religious. That's it's what scary. I was going to say. That's the part yeah. that, it, I, yeah. I, you know, listen, there's been lots of vice presidents that <laughs> as vice president stayed in the background. You know, you could make that charge for a lot of VPs. It's the religious part. This came up in a conversation that you know, mm-hmm. on Saturday night we were having dinner, Bill and I, uh, with some friends and I said that to you. I said, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's not allowed to be in a room with another woman unless his mm-hmm. wife is present. Mm-hmm. That can't be the president because that guy's part of a cult. Mm-hmm. He calls his wife mother, which is fine. You know, lots of men do that. Mother, you know, I know you do from time to time. Mother. The doll hates it. Oh, I know. That was a that was a trailer thing up at the Tin Palace East. Oh, mother, <laughs> mother, when we sell this place, you must make the granola. <laughs> but the fact that Pence, and again, I don't know if what I said is a hundred percent true, but it's true enough that it's come up that he wasn't really allowed. And it's, and it's just you can't be that religious in twenty twenty two and represent the actual country. Mm-hmm. Well, again, that's the scary thing about Fox News. I was the other night I had it on for a while and I do from time to time because I'm fascinated by it. Like these people are serious and they're talking to they're talking to people that are actually eating this shit. And the whole basis was, you know, trying to work, uh, you know, the problem with the country is we've 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 lost touch with God. That was that was the whole spin on it. Like that is their argument. With the problems with the country right now is we've yeah. lost touch with God. You know, it's right there in the Constitution. You know, we've, we should be, there should be more of, of an attachment to religion and our faith and uh, uh, our Christian um, uh, history. And like, it's wow. And how hypocritical is it? Because when nations like the nations of Islam and right. all those other that they rail against, those mm-hmm. na- that's what happens to your country. With Iran. That's what happens when you put God ahead of, you know, um, logic. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be an adventure. And by the way, give Trump a break. Eh? He didn't know who that Nick Fuente guy was. No, no, no. He had he no idea. He didn't know who that guy was. He had no idea. Yeah. He just had a dinner with uh, Kanye, another guy that's been, you know, stoking the anti-Semitic fire. He knew who he was. 
Well, yeah, but he was just trying to help Kanye. Do you know how many times Trump uses that excuse? I didn't know. Oh, I know. I didn't know that guy. No, I know. But he's a fucking genius. How does he not know everything? <laughs> I was going to save this clip, but it's uh, it, this will be a good time to play it. I sent you and Darren a few weeks ago. It gets. I'm sure it got lost. It's a one hour, 30 minute stand up special by a guy named Ari Shafir, who is one of my favorite comedians. And he's, he's just released it on YouTube. It's got, you know, several million views. The guy's been around for a long time. And the, st- the special is called Jew. And it's 90 minutes of this guy was on his way to being a rabbi. And he talks about Judaism, but he also talks about a lot of other religions. Not only is it funny, but this guy is so smart. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when Fox talks about we need to get back to God. They never talk about the Catholics because, you know, they don't really consider Catholicism, you know, as part of the regular religion. And the evidence of that is that in 46 presidents, only one has been Roman Catholic and they shot his fucking head off, yeah. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So in that world, they say, you know, that's funny that Fox could never talks about the scandals of priests and children and all that stuff never comes up. But I picked this clip out for you because I thought you'd find it funny and also kind of interesting. Dude, I've been making fun of that Catholic uh, priest sex scandal for like 20 straight years. I can't stop making fun of it. I have Catholic friends. They get mad at me about it, but fuck off. My buddy Steve. Uh, he's Catholic. He's a comic, and uh, I made a Catholic joke once, and he got I got off stage, and he just he was he had enough of it, you know. So I got off stage, and he was like, "Ari, what do we have to do to make you stop making fun of Catholics?" And I was like, "One thing." <laughs> it's just that one thing. Are you, are you guys not getting the message? <laughs> just stop raping children. Do you have a game plan in place to improve? Can I spitball with you a little? Can I suggest, I don't, I don't know, right or wrong, but start raping adults for a while. And see how that works out. 50, 60 years, something like that. And then eventually, maybe no rapes at all. But I think we can all agree, you know you're fucking up as a group when raping adults is a step in the right direction. <laughs> I'm telling you, his whole special is, I, I send it to you guys because I'd watched it now a couple times. And uh, a lot of people who know stand-up know who he is. But I would tell you, it's, a, it's such a great, I'll even say the word, like, um, dissertation on, the, on not only what Judaism is, but what, how religion, how weird it is. He was on his way to becoming a rabbi. And one day he was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. He sort of woke up in his early 20s and went, you know, I don't, I don't think I can believe this anymore. And uh, he's been funny a long time. But I, I thought you'd like that clip. Yeah, that's clever stuff, man. But if you get a chance, uh, anyone else listening, is it's on YouTube. There's, I think, one interruption at the very beginning for a commercial. But um, yeah, he's. I really admire him, and he's like I said, he's 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 got a lot. I learned I learned some stuff about Judaism, and anyway, it's it's really really clever, and, and it's all like that. He's very funny. Um, speaking of which, Lisa Baker is standing by, Freddie. So let's get a little business done before our first guest, and uh, we can. She's always got something to say. Maybe we can uh, talk a little bit about uh, some Canadian politics with her and, and that type of thing. No, absolutely. Uh, the retirement Sherpa. Mm-hmm. That's who I want to uh, talk about right now. Tim is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. 
Uh, Tim licensed on both sides of the border. He's down at his uh, southern home uh, right now. But again, have no fear. He is available, again, at all times, all places. And again, he does uh, help Americans as well. Uh, be you an expat or an American, all right? Anyway, I could go on and on about this, but he's the guy. If uh, you have a portfolio, you want somebody to have a second look at it, uh, Tim will do that. No strings attached, no obligations. He'll give you the straight goods because he's a straight man. He's, uh, well, he's helped tons of uh, Humble and Fred listeners. The retirement Sherpa.ca. And I know you're going to be uh, talking about these fine folks later, but we also like to mention uh, their uh, actual commercial. Cursing during your commute again? Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. As we uh, get Lisa's uh, camera on, little Ben Folds 5 for you, ex-Edge uh, listeners. 6 a.m. I don't know what time it is. Whenever Lisa joins us, she's somewhere in the country. She's always so kind. Gets up and makes time for her old friends, Humble and Fred. Uh, Lisa is uh, headlining Yuck Yucks in Ottawa in January. We'll tell you some more places you can uh, see her as well. But first, let's just welcome back one of the sweetest, kindest, funniest comedians. Hello, Lisa Baker. Good morning. Where do we find you today, you darling? I'm home today. I just got home yesterday. In St. John's, Newfoundland. No, Edmonton. Oh, that's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I forget. I forget. I forget. You're like, oh, no, I'm not out there. No, not this time of year for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. How's uh, your fall been? Uh, pretty good. Busy. Very busy. Got to go to the Arctic. And, uh, and this fall, I've been to the Yukon, uh, Northwest Territories, and Nunavut. So. Why? Why Arctic and, and Nunavut? Is it like you do shows up there? Yeah, I did uh, the uh, Canadian North Arctic Comedy Festival in October. And then I went to Whitehorse and did a few shows for a buddy of mine. Now, our Eskimos, are they a good audience? Oh, should I have said that? No. Mm. <laughs> That's not, it's not the correct term, no. Um, just to be clear, just to be clear, more. Fred said that I didn't say that. Yeah, no, okay. neither did I. No. Tongue in cheek. That fell out of. Well, it's 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 funny because there's a comic when you said that that I immediately thought of. Who's that? And, uh, I well, I don't want to say. Oh, it doesn't would, matter. Wouldn't be very Canadian of me. Oh, I see. Wouldn't be very Canadian of me, guy. I, I, you know, I, 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 the furthest north I ever, I was doing yuck yucks in Edmonton. This is before you were born. So I used to come, I, I would come back to, I was living in the States. I'd come back to Canada and you would do like Vancouver, Calgary. There were some one nighters there. And then I'd you'd do Edmonton and they got me a one nighter in, uh, way north. Like, I can't, no, I'm just gonna, now I've lost, not Fort McMurray or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah, that sounds right. And, you know, it's a bus ride up there and there was no no one else on the show. Just you're supposed to come up, stop the bar (laughs) and uh, start doing your 40 minutes. 
But uh, it was fascinating. I was wondering from you, when you go further north, you know, our indigenous people aside, <laughs> that uh, do you, um, is, it, is, is it different? Are we different Canadians, depending on where you do your show? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't find it any different, really. Uh, it's all the same to me. Um, you know, it's colder. <laughs> Audiences are more grateful that there's entertainment mm. than they are in other places for sure. And especially because like anyone who's um, coming through, like there used to be a yuck stick in yellow knife. So it would just be whoever random they sent. Um, but now there's people going through that people like that. They, they know that they're aware of that. They follow maybe on social media. So um, those shows, you know, you tend to sell a lot more tickets and uh, have a lot more fun that way for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would the venues be like up in? We did. Well, in Yellowknife, I've done uh, a bar there uh, called the Monkey Tree, and I've done uh, the theater there. And just, yeah, you just kind of use what you can. In the Iqaluit, there was a um, great hotel up there. So we mm-hmm. were in, uh, in that hotel. And then in uh, Whitehorse, I was at the Boiler Room, which is also in one of the hotels up there. Um, so, yeah, you're just basically using whatever venue you can fit the people into that's suited for, you know, comedy, right? When you mentioned how much they appreciate it, that Ron James, I mean, that that's his thing too, right? He, he goes across the country and people just love the fact that he's coming to their town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say I want to be like the trooper of Canadian comedy because mm. you can see trooper, you know, at some, you know, big venue in the city. And then, you know, Sunday night, they're at the Legion in some small town. So I'm yeah. like, I want to, that's what I want to do. That's, I want that entire market. And just mm-hmm. to put, and remind everyone that you, one of the things that's sort of cool and unique about you, one of the many things, is uh, don't you book a lot of this yourself? You're your own booking agent, or are you starting to get representation by somebody else? No, I, I'm almost 100% um, independent at this point. I'll use producers. Uh, the run I just did in Kamloops and Clone, I used uh, um, a local producer out there, Valina. She's amazing. And then on the island, I'll use a local producer as well out on Vancouver Island. Uh, but a lot of times, yeah, the vast majority, I book it myself. And if anyone wants to book me, they come to me. I do the contracts. I had an agent, but I was like, you know what? If you're, you're going to pay me 300 bucks for this gig at this club tonight, at your club, and I can fill the room. And I'm not great at math, but I feel like I'd make more money. I just had my own venue and took the door. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's, uh, it's good to be fiercely independent. That's right. Well, in this industry, for sure. Well, you can see behind us, you know, we did the same thing 11 years ago. We decided that having worked for other people and being paid pretty decent money, what we wanted as we got older was independence. You know, we would have taken the money, too. But what what the independence, (laughs) what the independence has given us is the ability to decide when and where we're going to do this show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the same with me. I just love the fact that I'm calling the shots, you know. Sure. It's a ton of work, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the thing there. You know, interesting you say that because you and I, even though we don't know each other, we know a lot of the same fraternity. And one of the things that holds comedians back is they don't want to do the work. They just no, don't. 100%. They don't want to do it. And one of the things that helped me was almost very shortly after I started stand up, I say four or five years into it, I moved to the States and I learned from 
older comics that they, you know, it's the old phrase. It's called show business. And if you don't understand that it's a business, you're never going to get to do the show. And, you know, in the States, I got all my own gigs. In Canada, Yuck Yucks booked me. Yeah. And when somebody else is doing that work, then you not only make less money, you never learn the muscle. You don't develop the muscle that you have in your career. Yeah, like you just need to be able to negotiate and whatnot. But um, it's definitely it's definitely beneficial as, as much work as it is to do it on your own, to learn the business end. And you start to realize all the shady stuff that goes on over the years. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, okay, all right. You know, like, but it's uh, it's definitely better for us. I think if if even if we have someone doing, you still need to have a good grasp of the business end. Um, but the stress that comes with that, and the time, and the work, does that affect your funny? Like, um, it's weird. Or, or does funny come from that? Well, a little, bo- a little both, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. But I feel like you know, up to this showtime, I'm producer. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, let's shut that off and turn on the comic. And Mm. like, I just switch gears. So it's, I guess it's just like anything else, you know, you multitask at most jobs or whatever. So it's just a matter of just, you know, changing gears. But yeah, it's it's definitely stressful, but it doesn't, um, I think if anything, it motivates me to try to be better, to evolve, to keep writing. Mm -hmm. um, So I can keep at least maintain my level of success, if not increase it, right? Yeah, but if you're the producer, like when Fred and I first started doing this, you know, we've told this story before, but we were doing something with equipment somewhere and we kind of turned to each other and said, didn't we used to have fucking people doing this shit for us? (laughs) But we did. And, you know, over the 11 years, you know, I've taken over sales. Fred's taken over all the financials. And those were things that we never had to concern ourselves with. But yeah. sometimes, and we, I don't know about you, Freddie, but there's a bit of, like, once we get a client, now we've got a, the pressure of making sure that client's happy. Right. And you've got the pressure, Lisa, of making sure that the venue's right and that it does sell as much as, much as you can. And then, and, you know, there is a point where you have to go, okay, well, that part's done now. Now we have to make up, you know, silly shit to say every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just... I schedule my days as best I can. So I have some time for booking, uh, writing, and then even cause logistics, I even have to work out logistics, you know, to try to make it, you know, the most feasible sort of, uh, run. And my goal is that, you know, eventually, hopefully by next year, I'm at the point where my partner can quit his job and he works for me. And then he handles, you know, contracts, bookings, logistics, cause he's good at that stuff. And now I can just focus on, you know, being creative and, and getting content out and whatnot. Right. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you want, cause I love an entourage. I would love nothing more than someone <laughs> just bring my sound gear and my merch, but I'm like, Nope, it's just me. So that's funny. Everyone that's wants an entourage. That's, yeah. um, when I hear like Jimmy Kimmel interviewed Bill Maher, all these guys, it's funny when they often ref- refer to the writers or you actually see the writer's room and it's like, wow, what a luxury that must be Yeah, to have a dozen heads all working towards making you funny. I know. And mm. I can't even grasp that because I'm I always think like, you know, you know, when you're on stage, if you're doing a joke and like you stumble through it and you're like. Sorry, guys. You know, I only wrote it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, I, you know, you always feel like an asshole if that happens. So I'm like, right, you know, having to use somebody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, somebody doesn't think like me. 
Well, know? for sure. Because um, one thing about my stand-up is that I, I feel like it's people like it because it's authentic. Right. So I don't know if I don't want anyone else to write, but I would love to have someone to do the merch and carry the sound equipment to deal with right. the sh- shady, you know, bookers or whatever, right? Will you take a, a tag or a, a little suggestion from a friend, uh, from a, a, a fellow comic who says, hey, I've got a great a tag for, yeah. you know, a tag for most people you don't know is a, you have the setup, the punchline, and then as they make more, you know, jokes on the, on the setup, it's called a tag. Now, will you take that from somebody? hundred percent. Yeah. I've always, I've always taken advice from, uh, from comics. I, when, you know, when I first started, I was just like, yeah, whatever, give me all your knowledge. Cause I felt like I could skip over some of the trial and error. If I paid attention to the people who, you know, would already made the mistakes mm-hmm. over the years and, and learn from it. And, you know, eventually you learn, okay, I, I'll take advice, but not from that guy or whatever, <laughs> you know, but That's you know right. what I mean? Right. You know, the ones and oh, yeah. it's like, no, we don't listen to to that one because some but, people are yeah. giving you advice because they're bitter fucking assholes <laughs> yeah and uh and you, you you know i've been in the business long enough now that i'm like yeah okay buddy no i'll for sure use that i'm, I'm going up with that one <laughs> I, I could tell you stories because i when i started i sort of came back to stand up after a break about six years ago and i remember about the third or fourth time i'd worked with this guy he was a much more established guys you know i'm talking about established netflix special guy who saw me i did pretty well that night and he came off i came off stage and he goes yeah that was pretty good i said thanks you know he said, that's the first time i've ever seen you you know when you didn't do all that jew stuff and i was like well that's a fucking weird thing to say but thanks can you imagine wow. you imagine saying yeah. that to any other ethnic comic? Hey, uh, Kenny Robinson, that's the first time I've seen you when you didn't do all that black guy stuff. So, yeah, you don't you can't you've got to be careful about who you listen to, because not everyone has your best interests at heart. No, 100 percent. They do not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's slightly a competitive business. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, and it's funny, though, because the ones that are successful are the ones who are not um, just not being shitty, not yeah. being assholes, you know, and it's, those are the ones, cause we like, I have a group, you know, of comics here in Edmonton. We'll throw each other work. I can't take a gig. I'll recommend, you know, so-and-so, um, I need an opener. We'll grab each other. Like, and we just kind of, you know, share it around and, and that's the group you want to be a part of, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You don't want to be a part of the group that'll, you know, throw you under the bus first chance they get. So so what's the feeling within that community um, with Dave Chappelle and all that's happened over the past few weeks with that? Um, over like the re- like recent stuff? Yeah, the Saturday Night Live monologue. The Saturday Night Live monologue. So yeah. I, like I've seen a few posts on uh, Facebook about it from comics. I mean, they all seem kind of pretty... Um, pretty divided on it and my my kind of thing has always been i don't really believe in the whole cancel culture thing i Mm -hmm. i truly don't no um because there's some uh some joe rogan loving comics who insist that dave Chappelle is being canceled and i said yeah i really if that's canceled Mm. i would love some of (laughs) that it's funny you say Um, that because he's gonna sell out the scope i said that to someone the other day if he's canceled how can we keep selling out arenas Hundred percent. And I said, look, when someone chooses for whatever reason not to subscribe to a certain media. So, for example, I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise. I couldn't give a flying fuck about that new movie, the, the new Top Gun. <laughs> I didn't see the first one. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, 
But I'm not canceling Tom Cruise. I just don't like him as an actor. So it's, you know, if someone decides, you're not obligated to listen to anyone's music or, or consume any of their art. And so I don't know why people think that it's like if you actively decide, like, I don't know, thanks, that's not for me. You're, you're canceling. Like, I know a bunch of men that don't like the ballet. They're not canceling the fucking <laughs> ballet. <laughs> right. You know, it's not going. And it's such a slippery slope that the cancel culture, because, again, where does it stop? Who decides? That's that's what bothers me. about. Well, and you, but you've got Louis still has a great thriving career. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Louis. Louis. And <laughs> Cosby, after the allegations, was going around and still selling out stuff until he went to jail. The funny thing about Louis C.K. is I saw him, I forget whose show he was on the other night, he just, he openly talks about what he went through. And oh, I, yeah, of course. yeah, he does. That, that is the best, that is the best strategy. I don't know if we call it what he went through. Yeah, well, uh, okay, know, okay. okay. What he what he did <laughs> no, and, the fall, and the fallout, it's like, yeah. ignore it, and everybody's sitting there going, yeah, what about that? But when yeah. you actually present it and give a side and... You know, if you decide to be funny about it, 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 it you just move on to the next thing. It's pretty, I, I, I do yeah. appreciate when it is addressed, because I think prior to many times people try to just but, like, but, but, before we move on here, though, I'm just, I, I got to step in because I've let you guys, you know, have your say quickly here. I just want to say that's a big difference. First of all, if you want to see I love Louie and I worshipped Dave Chappelle. I love him. I made this point a couple of weeks ago. One of my, in, in my, you know, they've, the, if there's a Mount Rushmore of comedy, he's definitely on it for me. But there's a big difference between what, and, and if you want to see Louis' special that he really addresses it, it's called Sorry. It's, it's so funny. Right. But let me see if I can put this to you, Lisa. There's a, I, I think, listen, I'm not for canceling anyone, but there's a big difference between saying some, you know, jokes that not everyone agrees with, that not everyone loves the ballet, not everyone loves Tom Cruise movies, not everyone thinks The Godfather is the greatest movie of all time. I do, but maybe you don't. But it's like, there's a difference between that and, I don't know I know if the right word, like supporting the idea that the Holocaust didn't happen is not about being canceled or not, because that's not a cancelable debate, that's not a oh i just don't enjoy his art to me that's a that's now into a different kind of thing because you can choose not to watch dave chappelle but what dave chappelle does when he nods and winks to maybe the holocaust didn't happen i thought it was a great performance but i was a little surprised and as a jewish person i'll be honest with you i was a little bit it took me aback a bit yeah no and i think that's fair and that what that's the other thing if if because um, like look at like the stuff Kanye has been doing the last little while you know what I mean like it's um, I feel like if you there's if you don't want to you know you're like I don't want to support this person anymore because of those things then that's that's up to you 100% because my thing is it's not that we shouldn't say oh that that's a shit don't let them say shit like that that's um, it can be dangerous. It can be, you know, my thing is that there's always going to be shitty people that are going to throw money at them. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be shitty people. We're never going to be able to completely have someone silenced in that sense, because there's always going to be people who will 
um, just throw money at that person right. and be like, no, 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 this is great. Bring it in, you know, uh, for sure. Like and, and but we're t- you guys are talking about two different things because cancel yes, culture. Yes, because right. cancel culture is mm-hmm. I don't like something. So you shouldn't like something. But Fred made an Eskimo joke. It's just a joke. So what? No, so I know. And, 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 no, and I'll tell you what, nowhere fucking near as offensive as saying, hey, Kyrie Irving doesn't think the Holocaust no, no, happened. No, no. And, and again, the whole thing is 10 or 15 years ago, that would have just slipped off my tongue and nobody would have even thought twice. All of it would have. Uh, no, I know. So. Yeah. The thing is, rejection has to happen sort of organically. That's the problem. You say, uh, yes. you know, Dave, Ch- Dave Chappelle selling out Scotiabank Arena. Part of that is probably the furor that's been around that that helped sell tickets. <laughs> great, re- some by the way, great reference. The furor. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is, too. Chappelle would have sold it anyway. He would have. Yeah, that's true. And, and at least don't get me, anyway. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love the guy. I, you should go back. <laughs> I know you wouldn't, but a couple of weeks ago, I we had this conversation, and I kind of went off the fucking rails a bit. But because I love the guy, I you know when I first started doing stand up again, I remember watching his first comeback special, and I'd been on stage that night at some one. You know, at a one-off, not a yuck yucks, small room, twenty-five people, and I'm like, why am I even doing this? You know, like, why do I even bother? It's like, who? If you, you know, I so just know I admire him, but cancel culture isn't what we're talking about. No, I, I know. I if, understand. It, I'll use your if you know you, you can not like the Tom Cruise movie, but if it's all about how Jews didn't, there was no Holocaust, and you know he was in a fighter <laughs> in a fighter plane fighting against Jews, it's a different. Uh, you know what I mean? It's a different thing. It's like it's promoting. There's no other, you know, if, he, if, a, if a white Jewish comedian had done 16 minutes on Saturday Night Live and a few times said, you know what? I don't know if slavery happened. The fucking network would have been shut down. Oh, so what is what, I understand exactly what you're saying. So what should the reaction to that be then? It's not cancel culture. What should because I can't even think of anyone who's been cancelled like because people when you say that the the examples people give you they're like well you know Kevin Spacey I'm like is that a great example Bill Cosby again probably not a great example Harvey Mm -hmm. Weinstein boys you gotta give me something better when I think of who was actually been who's actually been cancelled over the years I think of Sinead O'Connor for tearing up the Pope's picture Mm -hmm. on Saturday Night Live and I think of the chicks yeah, the Dixie chicks. The yeah. Dixie yeah. chicks were definitely canceled. Yeah. I would disagree. I, th- I think you know. I think the right. Con- it's the right. The right is like famous. For oh, it. I know. But I would disagree with you on this. I think Cosby got canceled. I think I think Cosby's first line of his obituary obituary is disgraced comedian. I don't think there's any doubt that man was that man's career was etch a sketched, just wiped wiped clean. And there's no outlet anywhere running Cosby reruns, I believe. But I, I think this is a great happen. discussion, Lisa. And don't get me wrong. Like, I think there's a I, I, and I, you know, as a as a guy that's been doing a, 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 a somewhat outrageous show with my partner here for a long time, we've had a lot of people not like shit we've said, but none more than the Catholic uh, Defense League who used to write me actual letters about funny little religious things I said, and they always included my name, Glassman, because it was about that. And that's all I'm saying. It's not like anti-Semitism hasn't been around for thousands of years. I was just, I'll be honest with you, as a guy that admires Chappelle, I was disappointed 
The same way I'm sure that if you're a trans person or have trans people in your family, you might be a you might be disappointed with some of his stuff. But I would argue he shouldn't be canceled because you're disappointed with him. But you can be you can love an artist, but not love everything that they say. Mm. A hundred percent. And, and the thing is too, like, you know, with, uh, with Chappelle, cause he is, he's, he, he's always been huge, you know, and, and as a comic, Jesus, he's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. you know, and I, I can see, you know, we, we, cause we all have a point when, you know, somebody we admire does something to like, to disappoint us. Right. And I agree with you, like the cancel, it's just like, yeah, if they, then if that's not your thing, then just don't, um, just don't watch it, you know, just don't uh, be a part of it. But I mean, I don't think Dave Chappelle's in any trouble. And I agree that, you know, there are certain things that would shut networks down and then other things that are pretty much along the same lines, but totally acceptable. Like it's, it's, it, and it's like, where do you draw the line? You know what I mean? Like at, at what point um, do we go? Yeah, no, that's, that's not or you know, you can't do that or whatever, but I don't know, like the whole thing just, it just freaks me out because I keep hearing about it and then I keep seeing these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you said you brought something up about the right. See, the problem with that, those kind of cliches and tropes and whatever you call them is that stupid people don't know the difference between a joke. Stupid people don't know the oh, difference yeah. between uh, a cleverly crafted bit and yeah, Jews are, you know, there was there was people holding up signs in fucking Florida on an overpass saying Kanye was right about the Jews. And that's my concern. And that's why I said earlier that it's uh, it can be dangerous. Yeah, because it emboldens people. And, um, you know, as you know, unlike the United States here in Canada, we have freedom of expression, not freedom, free speech. And so. We we had a teacher in Alberta, you know, many, many years ago, tried to teach students that the Holocaust, Holocaust didn't happen. Um, eventually, he was uh, charged. It was considered hate speech. Um, and that's the, that's the difference, right, in Canada and the United States is that we can be held accountable for maybe inciting violence or, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's seen that what we're saying is actually causing you know, and, and I think that's actually smart. I think that um, because if you look at history and how this shit happens, it's because we just let people just fucking shoot their faces. Off <laughs> that's and right. Inspire these lunatics. Yep. And, you know, at some point you got to say, like, no, this is actually going in a very a scary place now. There's a and reason. There's, like a, with Kanye, right? there's a reason that Alberta. And I've lived out there. I'm from Western Canada. You know, I'm from Moose Jaw originally, but I lived in Calgary. I've spent time in Western Canada. And there's a reason that's where the Aryan nations of the country were born. It's why it happens now. It's why Danielle Smith is premier. It's why that, you know, it's a different vibe out there, as you know, from having traveled the country. And again, I'll just reiterate, there's nothing wrong with, you know, making a joke. But the problem is, if that becomes kind of your thing, it does embolden uh, people to continue to feel that way. That's why those guys were marching in Charlottesville. Right. Saying, well, and, you know, you talk about Daniel Smith and maybe what we might see at a Poliev. It's these guys crunch the numbers, man. That's the sad thing. They crunch the numbers and they think there's enough there to push them over the top. How sad is that? Well, it's funny because, um, you know, 
I've met a couple of comics over the years who, even though it's not personally their belief, they found that they could find an audience if they said certain things, if they mm-hmm. appear to lean a certain way, right? Um, and so they're like, oh, well, this is good. Like these people come out and they buy tickets and it's like, right. But at the end of the day, you also need to acknowledge that you might be putting a cap on the, on how far you're going to go. Um, because there are a lot of things in this industry that you'll want that won't even touch you now. Right. And of course, the other thing is too, that a lot of these people, when we really look at it, when we re- really comes down to brass tacks or whatever, um, they are a very vocal minority, very loud, very loud minority. And so your, your uh, pandering to them, to that group, because you think that's, smart mm-hmm. but everybody else is looking at it going yeah right. you sold 100 tickets tonight and that's probably all you'll ever right. sell in this particular place i think on some level we just all wish that could be flatly rejected i mean again the whole rise and fall of donald, uh, the whole rise and fall of donald trump you know was on the backs of dunderheads and bigots yeah. and racists and you know reached his peak and it has fallen off but Again, there's the scary thing. There's an, actually a market there that somebody's gone after, and it's worked. And that's the key word. It's like mm-hmm. what you just said a second ago. You know, these these are the people, the strategists about this, the Bannons mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. Roger Stones and whoever those people are in Canada. They've done the math, and the math, mm-hmm. math says there's an appetite for this. And I'm just saying mm-hmm. that this type of anti-Semitism talk in, is as part of um, a movement. You know, I don't know if you know this, Lisa. We talk, our listeners know it's a statistic that, you know, with less than, you know, with an, an eyelash of the Canadian population, you know, the hate crimes against Jews in every major city is the number one statistic. It's not blacks, Chinese, Asian hate. It's literally more hate crimes are against Jews. And, and this is North America. It's unbelievable. Now, I've never been that big a, you know, certainly not religious. I don't follow the, because people don't realize you can, Jews are a religion, but it's also a culture. You're born into it. Mm-hmm. So I don't subscribe to any of the uh, hocus pocus and Hanukkah really sucks as a holiday. Trust me, it does. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, it but fucking Howard- sucks. You run into what about Well, I get that all the time. No, you do. You say like, you know, we're always jumping, you know, dumping on like God and Christianity and stuff. And it's like, oh, then all of a sudden your your backs up when it comes to Jews. And again, I can't speak to that. I mean, that's a situation you're in, and that will always be thrown in your face. Because most people who say that to me, Lisa, don't don't make the distinction of Judaism as a religion versus just being born a Jew. And and I get well. And I get now, this I don't too. think that's a fair comparison either to say that you get your back up. There's a, a world of difference between, um, like, I'm, I was raised Catholic, and um, <laughs> there's a world of difference between that. And that's not a cultural thing, it's an absolutely mm-hmm. religious thing. It's not like a. Because the majority of Christians, it's not a way of life for them, it's a Sunday thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it's a fair comparison to say when there's hate, like, there's no hate crimes against people for being Catholic. Like, 
You never hear like that cat. How did you know he was cat? Right. Well, and by the way, I played a clip this morning. I don't know if you know the comedian, Ari Shafir. He's brilliant. Yeah. And I played a clip of him and he's, he's this, his latest special is so good. And I played the clip of uh, him saying, you know, when I make fun of Catholics, some of, it's sometimes my Catholic comedians go, Ari, what do we have to get you to do to stop making fun of Catholics? And he goes, well, you know, there's that one thing. Maybe stop raping fucking kids. How about that? But you don't, you know, it's funny. There's still not, you know, you could go on Saturday Night Live and do that joke and that would get way more backlash than what Chappelle did. Well, again, go look at what happened to Sinead O'Connor, right? When she tore up the picture of the Pope. And it blows my mind because as someone who, and I, when I say raised Catholic, I mean Catholic school uniform, uh, mm-hmm. my sacraments, catechism classes, all of it. And it's, um, it's mind boggling to me because when all of that came out, for me, it, it, it just felt like a punch in the gut. It's like, wait a minute. So I've been raised because I was the last generation of fire and brimstone Catholic too. Now they're they're all like, oh, Jesus loves you. But when I was being raised, it was like you're a dirty sinner and you're probably going to go to hell. And um, nice. to know that, that <laughs> it's right, nice, to, right? To know yeah. that was taught to me as a child, as a ch- literal child, when. Yeah. Those same people that were teaching it to me were committing absolute atrocities. Yeah. And it just mm-hmm. it blows my mind that because I say to people, like, if you go to church and you're throwing money in the collection plate and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, why don't you just go pay the rent to the pedophile down the street? Why don't you just go help that guy out? Because that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah. And the, big, the and biggest difference between the biggest difference between Catholics and, you know, anti-Semitism and Jews is there's a billion of you. You know, you, you know, and, and Ari goes on to say, like, r- really, have you guys no game plan for getting priests to stop raping children? Is there nothing you guys are spitballing, like something you might want to do? And then he says, maybe start raping adults for 50, 60 years. What you know, you know, you're in a bad group when raping adults is actually a step up for you. Mm hmm. Yeah. So so but if he goes on Saturday Night Live and says those exact words <laughs> that, oh, they, that network would have shut the fuck down. They'd be outside. They'd be outside the building. There's like there's no like Catholics are and and I I mean I don't I don't come at me cuz I I make fun of uh Christians on my, on TikTok all the time. Um <laughs> but and and then when they come back at me I'm like, "Oh, let's go." You know what I mean? Cuz yeah, I got no. I got a bunch of this shit in my head that I'd love to get out. Um <laughs> This one lady said something about Jesus once, and I was like, yeah, well, did Jesus have a crown? And I put my crown on, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just, like, the thing is, um, it's at this point, like, they're not a marginalized group. Um, and if anything, they're a group that's completely oblivious. Because, you know, it's it just it just boggles my mind how they can still be so supportive. And they would. They're lunatics. They will absolutely come for you. I mean... Every just about every person that's shooting at an abortion uh, clinic or a doctor is a Christian. There's yeah. no hate like Christian love. That's and great. It's, it's just unbelievable to me that people still believe that they need to support this particular religion as opposed to just believing in what they believe in and then distancing themselves from that. Lisa, that's going to be your uh, I'm out of here moment. There's no hate like Christian love is exactly what's wrong with it all. Uh, what a great uh, conversation. And you know what? Started off with the Eskimo joke, and we finished by making fun of Catholics. There we go. It's a full show, everybody. Uh, Lisa, <laughs> Lisa it's, what a pleasure to speak to you. Ottawa, yuck, yucks, January. 
Uh, 18th, I, I got a bunch of different dates here, but just for, for all the information, there's so much stuff going on with Lisa. Where would you like people to land? My website, lisabakercomedy.com. You know, I hope that one day we get a chance to hang out in person because we do, we do enjoy our time with you and, and can only ask if you enjoy your time with us. Uh, oh, yeah. I do. I love doing the show. All sure. right, man. Well, thank you. And you know what? Tell your friends for crying out loud. That, that angry Jew over there in Toronto and his Eskimo-loving friend. Come on it. He must be stopped. He must be stopped. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, guys. LisaBakerComedy.com is where you find out more. And at some point, we're going to be, uh, well, see Lisa in person here in Toronto. Thanks, my friend. Take care. Bye. Freddie, why don't you tell us a little story about one of our supporters? Well, the Chambers of Commerce, a group insurance plan, Canada's number one uh, plan for small business. If you have a small business, right, go to chamberplan.ca today. Find out all about it. All the information is there. There's a little badge. Click on, uh, you know, how, how you can actually join up. Get all the information you need. Uh, again, prescriptions and uh, dental insurance, uh, travel insurance. I mean, we've talked a lot about that over the past couple of weeks. The tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars it has saved HumbleandFredRadio.com, Inc. Yeah. Well, no, not really. That was your problem. You would have had to pay for that, not the company. Anyway. What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I digress. Uh, yeah. No, but you make a good point. And, you know, at some point, maybe I'll explain. I think I did last week right. a little bit about how easy it was. Because once you get a hold, I and Rod Johnson, our guy, but once you actually get the chamber plan involved... When you're in a hospital in a foreign country, you don't have to worry about it anymore because no. they st- because they start talking to the hospital, which is, you know, again, I know it now, but maybe most people don't realize how it's done. Yeah, the peace of mind is just exceptional. Again, take the time today. And again, they have a, uh, a you know, um, a HR component. They have uh, now a mental health component, you know, that came through COVID. It's just wonderful from top to bottom and affordable for your small business. Chamberplan.ca. And, of course, it is the Tuesday. Did you know that Kelsey's has been winging it since 1978? Try their legendary chicken wings for half-priced wings every Thursday. Sauced and styled how you like them. And why not wash them down, Freddie, with a $6 Coors Light 16-ounce draft? What are you waiting for? How do they do it? I don't know, man. I watched the first episode of Larry Sanders the other night. Like, literally, season one, episode one, it was all about the network wanted Larry to do live reads like we do. Oh, right. (laughs) Fuck. And he got so fucking hated it so much, he got Hank to do them all. And, uh, man, it was great. It just establishes those characters. And by the way, if you Uh have never seen the uh, series, it's on uh, Crave. All seasons are on Crave. Anyway, (laughs) it's got to be thinking about you and I doing live reads the way we do for 11 years. And I think our sponsors love the way we do them. What are you waiting for, man? Grab your buds and head to Kelsey's this wing night and celebrate the start of the weekend the right way. Offers valid with the purchase of a beverage must be legal drinking age, of course. And don't forget, because the Super Bowl is on the horizon. That's where we are in this part of the year. And when you're at Kelsey's, you can enter for your chance to win over 500 sports prizes, including NFL jerseys, soccer jerseys, and swag. And the grand prize VIP Super Bowl 57 experience 
All you got to do is visit the War Roadhouse and watch a game, get a ticket, and enter the win. More information at kelseys.ca. Hey, um, what's that? No, I was just going to, just a little bit further to the Eskimo thing. Do you, do you know, do you remember or ever hear of the term Eskimo kiss? Yes, of course, nose to nose, man. Rubbing noses? Rubbing noses. Now, I remember as a kid going, oh, give us an Eskimo kiss, and then and then uh, rubbing our noses. I and mean, uh, kiss. Yeah. Eskimo pie. And the Eskimo pie, which was an ice cream sandwich, and mm-hmm. that was the, that, that's how it was marketed. That was the name of it. And, uh, yeah. Do you remember this song? Uh, where'd it go? Yeah, have a listen to this. This was by Manfred Mann. So this is called The Mighty Quinn, and it's all about Quinn the Eskimo. Do you remember this? I remember the song. Do, yeah. do they ever say Eskimo? I think so. He says at some point, when Quinn the Eskimo gets here, everybody's oh, right. going to jump for joy. It's, it's just how far. So you used to give Eskimo kisses and buy Eskimo pies, and now the Edmonton Eskimos are the Edmonton right. Elks. Just um, how that world has evolved. Yeah. Okay, here it comes. And I'm not criticizing no, I don't. it. I'm here just it comes. That, 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 let's just go back a second here. I know we do that. Yeah, just listen to this. This is the end of the first verse. Every girl and boy, but when Quinn the Eskimo gets here, everybody's gonna jump for joy. Yeah. Yeah, and I could tell it uh, took her by surprise. Uh, that's fine. But uh, is it inter- is it it's interesting? You know, we can get our nose at a joint about that. But you know, a guy goes on fucking television and says the Holocaust didn't happen. I know, I'm generalizing. I know, I know. Oh, no, but on- honestly, Howard, that went through my head. Am I a bad man for that? I thought. How do you say it? That area. I'm Nunavut. Drawing a blank. Yeah, yeah. In Nunavut. And I'm just thinking, what would the audience? What would the profile of the audience be? And like we often talk about regional comedy. So you're way up there. Obviously, yeah. I would assume that the audience would be indigenous people. Indigenous. Do they receive comedy? But isn't it interesting? You're almost you're sort of on eggshells when you go there when it's a valid question. Just like saying, you know, in Peterborough, they have a different mindset than they have in no, but that's not you. May you know you're smarter. You're smart enough. You know, it wasn't that the question wasn't valid. It was that you said Eskimo, right? Yeah, which yeah. It was it has great, it was within a, the past ten years has gone from zero to well, ten yeah. on the uh, no no list. But remember, she's just come back from there, where mm-hmm. you know people don't call themselves Eskimos anymore. Um, you know, it's you know, it's you know, a language evolves, and we can have that conversation another time because we have to kind of move. We've got a guest coming up after Dan. Dan Duran is here. Uh, I am. Yep. Oh, before I know what I wanted to say, just uh, on the heels of uh, the uh, Super Bowl there at uh, Kelsey's. Did you see what the numbers were for uh, Canada v Croatia? Suck it. Hashtag suck at Croatia. No. Um. Four point four million, mm-hmm. with a total. Like I guess at at the peak, it was nine point eight million people watching a football game. Wow! Uh, as I told you guys, I spent I had a four hour wait 
at the Mexico City Airport, and two of those hours was spent in a restaurant watching that football game. And uh, I loved it. I mean, it was shitty that we lost. And to be fair, they outplayed us. And they've got one of the best players in the world, who I didn't, I didn't know this. Oh, no. Is it? No. Is it Massey plays for Korea? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I got it mixed up. Massey plays for uh, Argentina. The day before, I watched Argentina versus Mexico with Bill. And Mexico lost. And they're, the player on Argentina is one of the best players in the world. Yeah, it's quite the phenomenon, you know, uh, um, national pride, because I don't even know if I'll watch the game tomorrow because they're out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And beyond Canada, I won't watch a second of that. I, I Honestly, I'm sorry. I have no interest at all. I still haven't caught on to the beautiful game concept, um, which, again, is like anything else, like a, a comic you like, a sport you like, a yeah. flavor you like. It's it's all subjective. And, um, you know, watching those Canadian games, I was watching Canada. I, was, I wasn't watching soccer, per se, you know? Yeah, and I was surprised. Like, I've, I like it. I mean, you know, my kids are of a different, like, just a t- we're just, yeah. our kids are 10 years apart, basically. Your eldest is close mm-hmm. to 40. My eldest is close to 30. So our generation of parents... I watched a lot of soccer. Now, obviously, just like your example, I watched my kid playing soccer. But at some point, I just started to enjoy right. the spirit of the game. So when Billy said to me on Saturday, because uh, I got home about 30 minutes into the Mexico game, I said, what are you guys doing? He goes, I'm watching the game. So I just sat there and had a fake beer and spent the rest of the afternoon cheering on our Mexican friends. And I enjoyed it. But I will tell you this. If it hadn't been Mexico playing and it hadn't been Canada playing, I would watch zero games in the world cup i just would you know yeah i enjoyed them when i watched them because again having had a a few years of watching some soccer but no not to the point of making a point of watching it like i will not watch the gold medal or the final game i would if obviously canada was in it but i won't watch that here's a very interesting point okay very interesting And I want you to absorb this. Okay. Just I want sh- different attitudes and different meanings and whatever you want to write into it. The same day that Canada lost 4-1, right, to Croatia at the World Cup in front of a peak audience of 9 million, Canada won the Davis Cup right. tennis championship. Who's talking about that? Who noticed? Do you know anybody that watched it? Do you know anybody that referenced Just it? Just one. Lumby. Oh, okay. Big tennis fan. But you know how huge that is for this country? Yeah. How do you explain that? I can explain it very simply, even though it was a very, Dan, very interesting point. <laughs> I, I noticed how interesting that was. Yeah, well, I found it interesting, yeah, I presented too. presented it in such a way. Oh, yeah. compelling. <laughs> I, I was on the edge of my seat. I can explain it. It's really, uh, I'm surprised you're even asking. It's simply explained by there are way more soccer fans in Canada right. than there are tennis fans. Mm-hmm. I only know how significant it was because of Jeff. You know, Jeff's been involved. He knows a lot of we've had Jeff's friend uh Stacy, Stacy on the show. She's the president of uh, the US Tennis Federation or the US Open. I mean, so he has a very but you're right, very few people were aware that that significant event was going on. So the Somewhere. country's bummed the country's bummed out by the soccer game. And the the buoyancy of the Davis Cup is not even like a factor. It's not even, 
It's bizarre. Yeah, but you can understand. It's the first time in no, I do. I understand. Thirty-seven like, years I'm, that we've qualified. I'm stating for this. the obvious. I know you are. It's so interesting. And thinking, what is the, the the Davis Cup, by the way? Now that's, that's something else there, right there. You know, you know what? Why do you hate? Yes. Let me ask. Let me take this. Why do you hate this country? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, is it, you said Canada took it. I, I just always assumed that tennis was a, a you know a sport by you know one person. Oh no, the team, the team. Yeah, it was like all the scores of all the people on the Canadian team, kind of thing. Yes, the same way that you know you can play the Ryder Cup in golf, and the scores of the team count for the for the whole thing. It's international competition. But I, you know what? Tonight, well, I was going to make you chicken thighs, and now I'm only I'm going to have three. You only get one. What's that, Freddie? Now you can bite his thighs. <laughs> yeah. No. I, um. Uh, yeah. I. I it's, interesting. it's interesting you brought that up because I thought the same thing. How weird it was that. And by the way, I just want everyone to know that uh, in the restaurant and around the in the concourse there, that they were seemed to be cheering more for Canada than Croatia. I thought that was very nice. In Mexico. In the airport, for sure. Because mm. uh, and it was getting desperate when it was two one. I thought, well, okay, there's a chance, guys. Come on, let's score quickly here. And but you know, once it's so hard to score in that game that once they scored and it made it three one before it was four, I was like, wow, this thing's over. Now I can just concentrate on the fact that my heart's going to explode. Here's what I admire about the game: there's ten, eleven guys in the field. I don't even know how many. Eleven. And the and the whole concept of the thing is just this round ball kicking it in the other guy's net. On the surface, that seems so simple. Yeah. But the complexity of that, and the and the different levels of ability within that. Like I heard a soccer guy with a British accent yesterday. So whenever you hear a guy with a British accent talking about soccer, you sort of listen a little harder because they seem to know more than we do. <laughs> That's true. I do. Um, but he was, you know, he was explaining that, and I can't begin to re-explain it, but just, you know, Canada that day, they just weren't of the level of Croatia, and I'm thinking, it's just kicking a ball in a yeah. net, yet he sees within that game our deficiencies and what they have, and, like, how, 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 how could, how do you get so good at that simple game that the men and the boys are separated so evidently? If may, that's the best way I May can I make what I think it. is going to be a very interesting point? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it's, I, I think the reason we don't relate to it, and I'm going to say you and I, because Dan, you know, and I'm not leaving you out of this further than the reason that you haven't spent as much time around sports as uh, Freddie and I. That's certainly true. We, 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 Freddie and I and other Canadians, we tend to see soccer in terms of hockey. And because in hockey, if you had all the play in the opponent's end for most of the game, you would think to be dominating the game. And that's true sometimes in soccer. But we tend to see most sports through a prism of what hockey feels like to us, including basketball. I mean, we've come around in basketball because it's more popular, but... That's what it was for me. When I first started watching soccer, I just relate to it as what you just said. You know, all you got to do is get more shots on net. Mm -hmm. But how you get good shots on net in soccer sometimes develops way back behind the oh, plane. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. And um, that's what it is through, uh, for us, I think. We, we tend, we Canadians are, you know, obviously it's different now than it was years ago, but. 
it's it, part it, of it. Yeah, it, it's appreciating the game. That's what, it, and I don't, obviously, and I admit it, I don't fully appreciate the game. I've never taken the time to get into it to that level. It's like watching baseball with my mother-in-law. Like, she doesn't understand the game at all, but mm-hmm. loves the fact that the Blue Jays are in it, you know? And it, and that's the way I guess I am with soccer. It's, you're not, you're not appreciating the game, you're appreciating the event. Uh, I think, you know, and by the way, I'm the same way. I, I, like I said, I won't watch the final game, but I, when I found out that that, that bar I was in on Sunday was showing it, I was excited. I was like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Not only will it give me some, it's not only is it, I want to watch it, it gives me time to kill. And uh, Dan, I, uh, I'm sorry we've run up against a, uh, a visit from our friend Daryl Croft. Are you uh, have to run out to do some work or can you, can you wait for like eight more minutes? I can wait. Okay, can are you wait. sure? Yeah, yeah, no, I, like, I can wait. Yeah, I don't like it. You know, I'll do other stuff. Now that we're roommates, I don't want to get you angry and have you like rub your <laughs> rub your dank on my on my granola. Yeah, well, I won't be doing that. <laughs> you know, you I've know, got my own do. granola. In I know. My own jar. If you, what if you get you could get mad at me and be like, "I'll show you, make me late," and the next thing you know, my my granola tastes like it tastes like ball sweat. Oh, hi, Daryl. Hey, how are you? <laughs> nice okay. to see you again. Where's your tan? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you know what? I had to come home early. I don't know. Did you ever oh. get? The, did you get my note that I, I sent you a note last? It doesn't matter. But I had a bit of a medical issue, and unfortunately, I uh, I'm home uh, two weeks early. Okay. And I'll, I'll tell you sucks. what. It does suck. And uh, I I was going to reach out to you to follow up. Actually, I've been talking to Maeve uh, a little yes. bit. I think she might know what's going on with me. But uh, yeah, if you had some time today or next couple of days, I'd like to have a chatty chat. Sure, sure. All right, man. How's this? This is Daryl Croft from uh, EVNet, and uh, we've been talking about electric cars. And it's interesting, Daryl, because why? Because I was away the week before. I went away. I gave the Kona to uh, Freddie, and then Freddie yes. had the Kona for a few weeks. And we've been T and I've been talking about it. You know, it's really it's what you guys do, and what you've talked about is you give people an opportunity to drive these cars and get the experience. And that really right. is what is, makes you guys stand out, because that's different. That's a different model. Very different. Uh, it, you know, uh, it's one thing to just rent a car, but to get the, all the ins and outs of, of what EVs are all about and the features. And, you know, you, you, as you probably know on other cars you've bought, there's features you've never used sometimes. It takes mm-hmm. years to figure it out. So to really look, get on the fast track, you really need some coaching, consulting, and that's really, we feel, very important to get you knowing the vehicle pretty well, pretty fast, so you can make a real, really good educated decision if it's for you, right? Yeah, you know, it was great for me because I had the Kona, and then for the last few days I had the Tesla, so I got to go from, like, this sporty little SUV crossover to the, what I would say, luxury car in my world, (laughs) Tesla. Um, Yeah, it was it really was it, it i keep saying to myself like I, i'm not why are there not more more of these on the road why are we not farther ahead i mean the technology's there more use because every time i go by a gas station honestly i'm thinking it's amazing i've been driving a car now for two weeks and never pulled into a gas station and how yeah. remarkable that is and again clean energy on and on and on and on right down to let me ask you this even the maintenance because my wife's car had to go in and get a, an oil change. Like, what with with a electric vehicle? What like what is the maintenance? Like, does stuff need to be greased or oiled or like what's the deal? 
So essentially with your brakes, um, brakes last three times longer because you're not applying them, but they still have these sliders. So you just clean right. them up once a year, which is way mm-hmm. less than doing a brake job. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. there is no oil in the engine. You rotate your tires. The one thing that you don't get away from is front end. You know, the potholes are the right. potholes, but but you don't have an engine. You don't have exhaust. You don't have radiator. You don't have transmission. Like... It's it's fifteen percent to twenty percent of what you would spend on a gas car. So it's it's so much less, which makes life so much easier, less lost time in a shop. Daryl, my my wife drives a Tiguan, but we put synthetic oil in. It's like one hundred and thirty nine dollars yeah. for an oil change. Just yeah. think about that aspect of the fact that it, an EV doesn't have oil changes. Yeah, yeah. Although Every three months uh, so, or whatever. So Freddie dropped the uh, Tesla back off uh, here yesterday, and I this is a different one than I had last time. And I I did a couple things, and it took me. Because now that I know how to do it, the first time it might have taken me five minutes. Yesterday, it took me 50 seconds to pair my phone because I already have the Tesla app to pair the, the car with my phone. And Freddie was driving it with that little key card. I don't even need that. I actually look it on my app as you guys were talking about. I could literally um, open the door, <laughs> disconnect the charger and get the environment you know, warmed up for me from here on my phone. It's, it's, so it's everything from all the things you've been saying with Fred about maintenance and all that stuff to the technology of them is like you know, going from a flip phone to an iPhone to a smartphone. Right. Right. And, and did you notice, Fred, the, the quietness of driving it? The difference is a lack of noise. You know, I have a 10-year-old grandson, and I found out that he's obsessed with Teslas. He just (laughs) Really? So I go to his hockey game the other day, and he drives home with me. And the first thing he noticed was is when I hit the gas. Like, of course, he expects to get in the car, and you start the engine, and you can feel the rumble and the little vibration or whatever you want to call it. Just the feeling of an engine. And it was funny when I hit the gas, and we just pulled away. Honestly, like a golf cart, because I take him golfing. And it's like... He he was fascinated with that aspect. He's probably you didn't turn it on. I said, yeah, I did. When I put my foot on the brake, that turned the car on. Yeah. Anyway, it was amazing. So the quietness and the smoothness, and it's just a whole different experience. It, it well, really I is. found that the biggest promoters of EVs are young people, like the teenagers, yeah. early 20s. Even when I go to certain shows with vehicles, the kids are hopping in and out, and they're saying to the mom and dad, can we get one? Can we get one? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen the ripple effect, how many parents who maybe – wouldn't put it on the radar, mm-hmm. change their tune. The kids, even in their 20s, they don't have the money to buy a new Tesla or, or a new EV, but they right. certainly have the influential power to get mm-hmm. the parents to do it. Now, the pushback that I've had, and I'm not versed enough, I've only been driving one off and on for maybe a month, but my pushback is always, well, you know, and I had this discussion with a buddy in France, well, I'm not really ready yet because of the charging and rooting and how do I know and I, what if I have to stop and I always say, like, you know, I don't do that many road trips. I, I can't remember the last time I drove into Florida. But Freddie brought it back, and I charged it. I've got a level two charger. I charged it, and a couple times during the day, I was playing with the app, just looking at it, and it's like it tells you, okay, it's, it's, like, it's like your phone, 38 minutes till a full charge, and this one charges to 85%. So I've looked at it now. I've got 400 kilometers. I'm not going to – I will tell you this now. Outside of the golf season, my general driving around the city, I'm not doing 400 kilometers in the next three weeks. 
<laughs> so you're right. And, and as Most you told me, no idea. I just charge it when I come home. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great point because, again, depending on your lifestyle and how you drive, even with my 120 here, I charged it with one, my 120 volts here yeah. through my garage. When I parked it at night and just plugged it into a regular plug by the morning, I had regained what I had used the day before. There you go. Right. And you didn't have to do anything. No. I didn't I didn't need a special thing in my garage. I didn't need to go to a, a charging station. And again, I just buzz it around. And of course, if you're going to do a long trip, well, then you make plans. I mean, you make plans for a long trip anyway. Right. As far as, you know, that's just a, is, another dimension to it. It's not that big a deal, I wouldn't think. No, and a lot of families have more than one car as well. So, yes. you, as I said before, you have an EV in your, your uh, fleet, let's say, and mm. you have your long-haul vehicle if you want it, and you will find people will want to be in that EV all the time around town. Like, it'll be the most used vehicle around right. town. And then if you want to have a big SUV to go up to the cottage or whatever, okay, you got it for that reason. But yeah. practically, day-to-day, the EV is so much better. Our well, friend, well, uh, you look at, let me, just on that point, where my uh, tin palace is, my trailer, it's about yeah. 210K. You figure, if I'm a full charge here and I leave, I use half of it. I get yeah. there, I plug it in, by the next morning... I'm back to a full charge for coming. Right. Exactly. It's not that big a deal. Not at all. Our -hmm. friend uh, from Gig Sky, Rudra, uh, Rishi Maharaj, is a big EV guy. And I haven't seen it yet, Rudy, but he sent me, he went down on a road trip and he sent me his uh, film, um, a a little um, video of his uh, rooting in, in his EV. As Freddie said, you're making plans anyway. And the whole thing about, what do I have to stop for a half an hour? Maybe. So what? Yeah. But you're not stopping right. and putting $130 worth of gas in your tank. So for whatever little minor inconvenience, the, the, uh, the options and all the other, the upsides are so much more. And by the way, let's talk uh, quickly before we let you go. EVNet.ca or RentElectric.ca is where you find out more about Daryl's company. Also, Reds, uh, Bolts, Konas, Outlanders, Nissan Leafs, and the Tesla Model 3. You know, it's a car. And a Y's coming soon. A Y'll be coming in a week. Well, listen, here's the thing. Whatever you think about Elon Musk these days, fuck that guy. Drive his cars. Um, but we've talked so much to this uh, last couple of weeks about the how easy it is to get into this experience. You get to try these cars. You get to rent them. You can drive them and see what they're, how they fit your lifestyle, which, by the way, dude, is probably one of the most unique things about your business model. Thanks. All right, my friend. People so love it. You, uh, we've got great feedback, and and uh, and it really is costs very little to do that. So it works out great. All right, you let me know. Uh, just send me a note when you think is the best time for us to uh, connect. I've got just a couple of things. Sounds good. I will, Howard. Thank nice you, my friend. Again, Fred. Okay, pal. Good to see Thanks. you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Talk to you. As Bye. I mentioned, uh, EVNet. .ca or rentelectric.ca. So, uh, Johnny Slapshot like the uh, Tesla? Oh, Jesus. Because he's always talking about Teslas, and then I pull up one day, and it was in the driveway. It was too late for him to go for a ride that night, but he couldn't believe it. But coming home the other day, it was funny. Because that sensation. You know, initially, obviously, you get used to it, but that very first time you sit there and you put your foot on the gas, and it just starts moving. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Any of the normal sensations that you get from another car 
Rudy just sent me a note. He said, I drove to Farmington, Pennsylvania and back. Total cost to travel there was eighty two sixty six for charging. Charged mm-hmm. twice fully for free at the hotel when I was there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far that is, but I guarantee you'd be putting a lot more money than eighty two sixty six in your car for gas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we haven't, I mean, you talked about, you uh, You liked the ride of the, uh, the Kona. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I went to uh, get up, you know, some groceries yesterday. I took the test light, forgotten. And even though we had just, even though you and I just talked about the pickup on it, I gave it the, uh, I gave it a little bit of a push there as I got under the guard here. I'm like, Jesus, I'd forgotten how fast they are. There, it's, it's really not that that's the biggest feature, but you know, if you think you're going to be like, well, you know, I'm going to lose some power, you're not. You're not losing any power. With these things, it's pretty. No, and and you know he made another good point, um, Daryl. There, with uh, you know, we just assume if you have an electric car, it might be the only one you have. Well, chances are you're probably still going to have a conventional internal combustion engine at your disposal as well. If you know what I mean, so you they work together. Mm-hmm. But as I say, going up north would not even be an issue for me. The way I charged it here with my regular just in my garage, it was like I'll plug it into the shed at the trailer and it's good to go within a few hours, you know? Yeah, Rudra is now discussing, he said it was 600 kilometers each way, plus driving there, plus the driving I did while I was there. And then he stopped at Morgantown and saw Don Knotts. God, he sent me a okay. <laughs> he sent me a picture of him next to the Don Knotts statue in Morgantown. So that's pretty good driving I've there. I've done that. I've done that. Yeah, I know you have. That's why he sent the picture. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So twelve hundred kilometers plus say another three or four hundred. So we'll call it fifteen hundred kilometers on eighty two dollars. No, I know it's uh, it's, and again the maintenance and listen. There's a whole issue with batteries and how long the life is and if they ever need to be replaced. Yes, on, I know. And, on. and that that could be a bit of an issue now. But the thing is, more the more that are on the road, the the more that price will go down of battery replacement. <laughs> Yeah, that's the big pushback. Have you heard this? Yeah. You, well, yeah, but of course, when you have to replace the battery, it's for Okay, fine. Um, yeah, there's downsides to it, too, but the upsides, I think, far away. Dan, are you ready for the news? And then uh, I know we're doing a long yeah. show here, but uh, yeah. we didn't work yesterday. I don't know that I, we didn't even tell, we didn't, I'm, assume, I'm, I'm sure most people assume we didn't work because I, I was just exhausted when I came home. It was a 15 hour day. And when I called you at nine o'clock, I was still waiting for my luggage at Pearson. I know it's back in the news this morning. Just since this fall push now, people start to go away to resorts and stuff in November. People like two and a half hours at the carousels again yesterday. And it's like, come on. And you know what the explanation was? Usually there's 30 baggage handlers at, at Pearson. Yesterday, there apparently there was like five. Yeah, they well, can't get the staff. Like how? How all of a sudden? I don't know, man. But I experienced Canada, it. Like that job pays well. I've experienced. Like when I came back from uh, Europe, I was just doing carry on and walked off the plane, was home, and you know, honestly, twenty five minutes. I landed. You know, as soon as they let you use your cell phone, everyone's on their phones, and so as soon as I touched down, I let everyone, my family, know I'd gotten home safely. And then because I have Nexus and Nexus works, you know, you go into the Nexus line. Mm -hmm. I got off the plane at 740. I was standing at the carousel at 750. 
and I called you at nine o'clock and said, Freddie, I don't think I can do this. I, cause I'm, I'm, my bags aren't on. There was a flight from Houston, a flight from Cancun with 400 people and a flight from Mexico city that I was on. So probably 800 or 900 people waiting for their bags. And I finally got mine around nine 30 and I got home at quarter to 10, 10 to 10 or whatever. And I was just beat. <laughs> I, I, but I'm reading this morning, they're usually 30, and there was only five, and they're having trouble. And I'm just thinking, here in this city of how many, five, six million people, GTA, you can't hire 25 people, baggage handler, Air Canada with benefits and everything? Like, obviously, I'm simplifying this. But So what is the answer? I, I don't know. How is that an issue? And how do you have five bag, baggage handlers at one of the busiest airports in the country? Well, it is the busiest yeah, in the country. That's one what of I mean. the busiest in the world, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I thought, and again, you know, I was, we're, you're there a long time. So I was talking to different people and, you know, and I just thought it was because it was a Sunday night law at the end of the American Thanksgiving. You know, people had gone away, you know, the first sort of getaway for this, the, the, the Cancun flight was just people on an all-inclusive. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I mean... Didn't you talk to the manager? Nice. Well, at that point, Dan, I, I maybe I if I had a little more energy, I, I really tell you that at that point, I was just so happy to be home and just be off the plane, on, and, off the plane, yeah. and safe. Did you get a chair to sit on because you were out early with your Nexus? What I did do is I got a cart, the ones that the CIBC gives you, and I put my knapsack on the little baskety part, and I just sort of stood there and sat against it because I was pretty tired, but. um you know, it was weird. I got my golf clubs before I got my actual bag. I don't know how that worked, but I went over to the oversized area and they came about a half an hour before my actual bag did. You should have. In, I was thinking in retrospect, <laughs> in Mexico, you should have said when you got on the plane, when I arrive in Toronto, can you have one of those golf <laughs> you have one of those golf cart things at the ready for me because I'm no. having heart issues? That's right. You no. know, that is a long walk usually. Could you have that at my disposal? You know what I should have said? Is it okay if I put my golf clubs in the overhead? <laughs> <laughs> no. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a handy Duran, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran. <gasps> Dandoran, the anchorman comes and has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dandoran, the anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from my kitchen, <laughs> with news and views, here's my roommate. Dan Duran. Well, here's something very interesting. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there's a volcano in Hawaii that's spewing <laughs> hot lava for the first time what? in 38 years. What are you even yeah. saying? Sunday night, the world's largest active volcano, Mauna Loa, erupted for the first time Mano. since 1984. And, uh, Public officials have been urging people to stay away from all the, uh, you know, the, the dangers posted by lava, which is shooting 100 feet to 200 feet in the air. Uh, and uh, there's three separate fissures uh, estimated to be one to two miles long, uh, spewing the lava and the hot gases and stuff. But here's something interesting. The Hawaiian Volcano Observatory says ash gas and Pele's hair may be carried downwind from the volcano. What the hell is Pele's hair? Yeah. 
Turns out bubbles of gas near the surface of a lava flow burst and can stretch the skin of molten lava into long threads, kind of like fiberglass, I guess. And uh, so it's glass, basically. And it can be uh, as uh, narrow as a, as a micron. And they're light enough to be picked up by and carried by the wind. So, you know, it can come down and, and uh, be in the air and you could breathe it in or it could hit your eyes or whatever very easily uh, damage you. So be careful yeah. as you do your volcano uh, exploring. Hey, Dan, can a volcano uh, lava, will it burn your skin or is it? <laughs> Molten, molten rock. Just molten lava. Let me does it hurt? Do you think that would hurt if you got some molten lava on you? Howard, you joke, but I'll tell you, it's nothing to laugh about. If you've ever been to the lost city of Pompeii, you would fully appreciate what can happen to people if a volcano uh, erupts uh, without uh, much warning. Literally buries the people alive. Can you imagine? Not only you're buried alive, but you're you're burning while you're being yeah. buried alive. Yeah, that would be one of the worst ways to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you were in Pompeii, did you see, like, buried-alive people? Were they still, like... No, no, but they show ruins, and they've uncovered some, and that was the place where they sort of uncovered the sort of theater part where the acoustics were really good, and oh, right. I sang for the people. They asked for someone oh, to sing, yes. and they didn't think anyone would, and I said, I will. <laughs> and... Uh, I sang in my operatic voice, and the acoustics were just well. I think it it's still reverberating. Yeah. Did you did you sing songs of people buried in hot molten lava? No, I think I sang something like "Oh Salamio" or something. Oh Salamio, something like that. You should have sang this. <laughs> he was there. I know he was. Uh, yeah, I know, I've seen that video, and I didn't realize where you were because you know for a while there you were off on so many jaunts. I had trouble keeping track of them. You should, you know what? We travel. We should do a travel show. That's what we should. Do. We should. Uh-huh. We should do a travel show. Mm-hmm. Just think of all the episodes we could put together of the many adventures that we've been yeah. on. Fascinating. You, you yes. could travel around the world, and that would be part of your job. Mm. Oh, my gosh, Dan. You're a genius. <laughs> Expenses you could claim. All right. All right. Who knows? We're just doing it for the people, Dan. Oh, the uh, people, right. Yes, the people. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, one of our favorite people, Tony Clement, will join us tomorrow morning. Lots to unpack with Tony. And uh, especially if uh, the uh, drama teacher in charge wants to call a spring election. I'm not on board with that. <sighs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, just, you know, it's crazy times. It just is. Because to me, like, I don't even have a choice. Like, I, as it, like I, I am in no position where I would vote for uh, Pierre Poli every day. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm just not there. Okay. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be there. You know what I mean? So what does that mean? A, 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 a majority for, for, for Justin? <laughs> well, you know what? Tomorrow I don't like morning, that either. You'll have all kinds of time. You know, why be, here, tell you what, between now and tomorrow, why don't you get all your ducks in a row? <laughs> which, which is one of my favorite stupid thing. Oh, you got to get your ducks in a row. Do you have ducks? Do you own ducks? <laughs> How the fuck are you going to do that? <laughs> I'll go get some ducks and I'll try to teach them to be in those <laughs> duck trainer. Uh, thank you so much to Lisa Baker. Always a great conversation. Thanks to everyone that was uh, watching us on Facebook. We appreciate you. Thanks to Rudy there for popping in and Daryl Croft from EVNet. It was uh, quite a program and uh, good to be back. Maybe talk. We'll give you a uh, cardiac update tomorrow. In the meantime, 
Dan This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original hub roadhouse since 1978. You can email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd also like it if you'd help us out with some hearts and stars, liking, subscribing, all the stuff that, you know, podcasters do and want you to do. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, this is interesting. Tune in tomorrow for another very interesting show, and enjoy every goddamn day. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone, bottles and cans, and just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?